Thank you for joining us, Dr. Yu Banks. It's great to be here. Thanks. In your book, Automating Inequality, you draw on the book's subtitle, How High Tech Tools Profile, Police, and Punish the Poor, to provide many gripping examples. Which of these examples do you find most concerning or likely to have the greatest negative impact on the poor now and in the future? Well, first, I can't pick a favorite because the people in those stories really had a huge effect on me. And each of those stories was really meant to sort of illustrate something different. So the first story is about an attempt to automate all the eligibility processes for the welfare programs in Indiana. And that story, I think, really illustrates how new digital decision-making tools can divert people from assistance they need to keep themselves and their families safe and healthy. The second story is about um, a system whose proponents call it the Match.com of homeless services in Los Angeles County. Um, and that's a matching algorithm that's supposed to match the most vulnerable unhoused people with the most appropriate available housing. And that story for me is really about criminalization because it's about how very sensitive data can easily be shared with folks like law enforcement who may or may not have unhoused people's best interests at heart. Um, and then the final story is about uh, a system in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, which is where Pittsburgh is. Um, and it's about a predictive model called the Allegheny Family Screening Tool. And so that story is really about how machine learning, artificial intelligence is being used to sort of predict the future behavior of poor and working class families based on the past behavior of supposedly similar people. Um, and so that story is really about sort of the future and about um, what predicting behavior and predicting risk really means to the families who see themselves as targets of those tools. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in theory, uh, automating decision-making in public services uh, should be fairer and more impartial than leaving decisions about Medicaid, medi welfare, and other public services up to individuals. Why is that not true, and how can we improve the automated system? Yeah, so there's usually two reasons that people give, that designers or policymakers give for moving to automated decision-making in public services. The first is the attempt to make the process more efficient and to save money. The second is um, to remove individual bias from, particularly from frontline decision-making. So from welfare caseworkers, for the folks who sit in the call screening centers and decide whether or not to screen um, a report of abuse or neglect in for a full investigation at Child Protective Services. But one of the things I argue in the book is that um, discrimination and racial injustice isn't just based on the um, individual uh, flaws, like implicit biases of people who are making decisions, but is systemic and structural. And so there's some real dangers of moving to automated systems that embed that structural discrimination in it, but then are not attached to a person who we can train and talk to and, and move from the place where they started to, a, to another place. And so one of the things I usually ask people when they ask me this question is like, well, what's the end goal? Like, is the end goal to have perfectly neutral decision-making technologies, or is the end goal for us all to learn and to grow ethically um, in the ways we think about caring for each other in our communities. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, in your book, you address the all too popular narrative that the poor are largely responsible for their impoverished status. Is that commonly 
referenced uh, differentiation between the deserving and undeserving poor inherently flawed. Mm. Yeah, so it is um, deeply rooted in our history. So one of the reasons I, I talk in the book about this thing I call the digital poorhouse, and the reason that I do that is often when we talk about technology, we think of it in terms of disruption, right? That this is absolutely not continuous with the past. This is brand new. It's like, um, it's like the monolith from uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, right? It's just this thing from nowhere that drops out of, of space um, and, and onto a blank slate. And the reality is that um, if you look closely at these technologies, they often embody very old ideas um, about things like social assistance or criminal justice or um, any of the other places that these technologies are increasingly being used. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Eubanks. Those were very insightful answers.